Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Social Hour podcast. This show is for female biz babes looking to up-level their business and become rockstar entrepreneurs in no time. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited to chat with you about today's episode. Let's get right into it. Hey, Savvies. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Social Hour podcast. I'm here today with Mandy Holmes. Mandy is the CEO of She Can Coterie. Mandy believes that women should run the world, that asking for help is vital to success, and that having an ice latte in your hand makes you unstoppable. When she's not leading her team, up-leveling She Can Coterie, or serving powerful women around the world, you can find her with her nose in a good book, on the floor playing with her sweet son, or binge-watching Netflix with her husband. I'm so excited to chat with Mandy all about delegation today, so let's dive right in. Hey, Mandy. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here, and I cannot wait to chat more about delegation with you. So before we dive into this episode, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and just how you got started doing it all. All right. Well, I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, So I live in Houston, Texas with my husband and my son, Henry, who's almost two, Um, and I own She Can Coterie. We're a virtual assistant agency, Um, but what we do is less uh, kind of virtual assistant-y and more um, online business management as a team. So we have a team of um, VAs that are experts in their fields, and everyone has their own role. And we help women entrepreneurs with service-based businesses basically run their businesses online. Um, And so the way that I got started, um, I worked for a virtual assistant company as a VA. um, And I worked there for six months. um, And then I woke up on Monday morning to clock into work. And I had an email from the CEO saying that the company shut down over the weekend and everyone was out of a job. So I woke up my husband who, um, he's a teacher and he was on summer break. So he was still asleep. And so I wake him up and I'm like, so, uh, babe, I don't have a job anymore. We had just bought a house two weeks before this. So I was in like, what do I even do mode? Um, so then I kind of went into like, just figured out. Um, so I applied at Starbucks and then I reached out to, um, the clients that I had through that job because our contracts had been dissolved because the company didn't even exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, so I reached out to them and said, um, you know, I, I know that you're kind of in a scramble too, because you lost your VA all of a sudden, but I'm here, I'm available to do the work. I'll support you in the meantime until we figure out what's going on. Um, And so I built a website because I just had three clients. Um, I had like eight or 10 with the company, but we didn't get to choose our clients then. So I got Mm. to pick the ones that I wanted to continue working with. Um, And yeah, so that's how I started. Um, And then within two months, they had already referred me so many people. And back then I said yes to every single person that wanted to pay me money because I didn't have an ideal client. I didn't know anything. I just knew that I needed to pay my new mortgage. Um, And yeah, so within two months I was completely overwhelmed. Um, And that's when I started bringing on contractors to um, sort of delegate some of the the work that I didn't want to do. 
um, anymore and that I really honestly didn't have time to do. Yeah. Well, that's, that's crazy. I mean, losing your job is scary in itself, but it's kind of like a blessing in disguise for you. And you're also able to contact those people that you're working with previously and, you know, get those, you know, if you were at a regular nine to five, you may have not had the opportunity and you would have been stuck. So it kind of gave absolutely like a way to go in and, you know, start doing this on your own. Um, just a lot of people do it. (laughs) They come out of their full-time job and they're like, okay, I'm going to start my business. Like, let's go for it. And you kind of just were thrown into it. So yeah, um, (laughs) the world was like, okay, Mandy, um, this is what is happening and you know, you can either roll with it or not. So it looks like you you rolled with it pretty well. (laughs) Yep. Rolled and it snowballed. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, can't complain about that. Nope. Um, Nope. I can't. So what kind of task were you first doing for these clients? Um, like, at your prior um, position and then when you actually like took them on to your, um, you know, your business essentially. Yeah. So that company, they took anybody. I, I don't really even know that they had an ideal client. Um, so I worked with any, anything from like CEOs of companies to stay at home moms that mm-hmm. um, just needed extra help, like scheduling doctor's appointments and, um, researching like soccer teams for their kids to be on that sort of thing. So we did like, like heavy inbox management for CEOs, scheduling of meetings with, you know, like 20 meetings a day kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it was all over the place and then anything in between. So even, um, solo, um, entrepreneurs that were, uh, you know, with social media, that sort of thing. So we did things all across the board. Um, the clients that I kept were um, the ones that were sort of in that solopreneur space mm-hmm. um, with social media. They were doing online courses, that sort of thing, because that is um, what I really loved. Yeah. Um, and that, and so, and those are still the same people that we work with today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't realize back then that I was like choosing my ideal client out of the group that I had. Uh-huh. Um, but the, I mean, that is what I did. And then I, you know, didn't even think about it when someone was like, Hey, I'll pay your money. I'll pay you money. I was like, okay. <laughs> and you can be my client. Yeah. At that point you're just like, um, as long as I can pay my mortgage and my other bills, like I will take whoever. And then yeah. eventually, like you get that one client that is, you know, they're not your ideal client in terms of work, but they're also not your ideal client in terms of anything. Like they're just right. not an overall pleasant person to work with. And then that's when you start like, okay, I need to figure out who my ideal client is. So I don't run into these people again, because I've definitely um, experienced that. And I have clients and it's horrible. It's like, okay, you start questioning every element of your business because Mm -hmm. that person is, you know, questioning you and things like that. So you're like, wait, well, what am I doing wrong? And it's just, they're not a good fit for you. And you just need that. Sometimes you need that person to <laughs> kind of it's push true. you to figure out who you should work with. But yeah. Um, so when you started delegating, how many clients did you have at that time? Um, we probably had around um, probably eight, I would say, but maybe more than that. I, <laughs> I feel like um, I was just underwater and I was working all day, every day. 
And I mean, the reason that I knew that I needed to delegate was my mom called me and we talk probably three or four times a day. Like I just got off the phone with her right before we started recording. <laughs> um, and so she calls me and I'm like, mom, I cannot talk to you. I have way too much to do. Bye. <laughs> and she was like, Hey, call your sister. Uh, she's not doing anything. She said she's sitting on the couch watching Saved by the Bell. <laughs> and um, my sister's not lazy. She had just had a baby. Um, and so she was staying at home with the baby. And um, so I called her. I was like, hey, do you want some hours? I'll pay you. So she was my first contractor. Um, oh, and wow, she helped cool. me out with one of my heavier clients that had a lot of travel and um, invoicing and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So um, that was really the first time that I delegated almost a role in the business. Um, but I didn't even think about it like that. I just thought these are the things that are taking up my time that kind of drain me. And I know those are the things that you like to do. And mm -hmm. so I passed all of those kinds of tasks along to her, not just from that one client, but from all for like all of the clients that we had. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And how did you kind of like go through that adjustment with the client? Like, did you have to raise their prices or did you, you know, you had to communicate in some way, Hey, I'm not going to be doing this anymore, but someone from my team will be, how did you like manage that? In the beginning, I actually didn't tell my clients. I, um, she just did the work and then, um, I turned it in. So, um, the clients didn't know in the beginning, and I actually had three team members before I made the transition to telling uh, our clients that it was a team doing the work now. So um, I, it was really just kind of testing it to see what worked um, before I made the decision to let our clients know that there were other people on the team. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I've heard people that kind of do, cause I have people on my team too, and I usually tell them, but there are some clients that I'm like, I was doing the work and then I transferred it to, um, someone else and you know, it still gets done, but they don't know that I'm not doing it. Cause it's not anything that is crazy complicated or anything. So it doesn't need like, yeah, like they, they don't really need to know, like it's, yeah. They're going to be like worrying about it if they know that it's not you doing it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, I, and I think once you make that transition to like, okay, this is a team, then people are more accepting, but it's hard to like start that transition because yeah. people you're already working with, it's like, okay, they don't know a friend and it's like, when do you tell them? And then in terms of prices, did you, did you feel like you had to raise your prices because you're now paying a subcontractor or how did that work? I feel like that's my main struggle. And I imagine people who are wanting to transition more of an agency style than just solo, they have that kind of struggle too. Yeah. I, um, the reasons that I've raised my prices are, um, like I notice when I have several discovery calls in a row and nobody hesitates to say yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I realized, okay, maybe my price, maybe it's my prices. Like I know that I offer value and people need this service, but maybe it has something to do with my prices being so low. And so um, and that, that's what has really been the cause of me raising my prices. Um, I, I was not charging what the service was worth in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that's how we've raised prices as, is when like we see that the industry is changing or, um, as we do get more skill on our team. So now we have, um, a, a really talented bookkeeper, we have a designer, we have all of those kinds of like higher level positions. Mm -hmm. So we've raised the price based on, on that and the value that we're giving our clients. Okay. That makes sense. And you know, like, of course you need to profit in some way when off of those clients. So the way that I currently do this is 
Um, I, you know, I outsource it to someone for a lower, a little bit lower of a rate. It's not like super low or anything, but it's lower than, you know, what they're paying me obviously because I need a profit in some way too because I'm the one getting the client and then giving it to them. So they're basically getting it without having to do any of the work. They're just performing the work afterwards, which I feel like sometimes acquiring the client is a pretty big um, feat. But Right. And that costs money too. Yeah, getting exactly. your clients, all, all of the things to run the business costs money. It's not just like money that you're putting directly in your pocket. Exactly. So like, how did you kind of figure out, okay, how much should I keep and how much should I pay my contractors? I really just guessed <laughs> in the beginning. Um, because I mean, I didn't, I didn't realize what I was creating in the moment. It was all just like, I have to keep up. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I mean, it was my sister. So I was like, it, does this seem like a fair price? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I kind of pride myself on, I don't pay small fees to my contractors. Like I don't pay them pennies. I, I pay them what they're worth. Mm -hmm. Um, and because I mean, they're, they're women, they are, um, raising their families. They're doing this on the side. Some of them, this is their only income. I'm like, I value you and I value your part on this team. And I want you to not only feel that like on the team and by what, like things that I say to you and how I appreciate you, but like money talks too. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, so at first it was just guessing. Then I kind of looked across um, the board to kind of see what industry standards were. Mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes it was just like, what do you expect to be paid for this kind of work? So it's, it's like a, like juggling <laughs> trying to figure out um, which one is the right one. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel that. I feel like it's like hard. You like, you want to pay people, obviously, the right amount, but you also don't want you to make five dollars in return, you know, because it right. has to be profitable for you too. Otherwise, all the money is just going to the business, and you're not able to pay your bills too. So, right, it's definitely a, you know, like you said, a juggle. <laughs> um, so, why do you feel delegation is so important? That is a good question. Um, I think that we all have unique skills and talents and um, only the things that we can bring to the world. Um, but if you are stuck, you know, managing your inbox, managing your calendar, posting on Twitter 10 times a day, like what time do you have left over to share your gift, your unique talent or skill with the world? you, um, you have something important to do. You have big work. Um, but when you're stuck in those minute details, you're not getting your big work done. The reason that you started your business in the first place was not to like research the best webinar platform. Like that's <laughs> not why you got into this. You got into it for a bigger reason. And so I think it's so important to figure out what those things in your business are that you could train someone to do, that you could automate, that you could um, give to somebody else to do mm -hmm. um, so that you can focus on your big dream. Yeah. The, be I the beauty of delegation is that the person that you delegate to, um, that like doing that work is what lights them up. 
So, um, for me, bookkeeping is the most draining thing to me. And like, I don't even ever want to look at the numbers. I I just want it to be taken care of. And for Candace on our team, who's our bookkeeper, she loves it. And you can see the light in her eyes when she talks about it. And so I am happy to delegate that to her because she wants to do that kind of work. And I do not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. That is not my thing either. So (laughs) when I get to the point where I feel, well, my husband kind of handles most of that because he has a heavy accounting background. Um, That's nice. So he handles taxes and stuff. I mean, I do like the day-to-day stuff because I don't like want him in my, in my business all the time. Cause since he does have that mindset, he's like, well, you could be doing this or you could be doing that. So I kind of just hand it over when it's time for taxes and things right. like that. I don't need to be micromanaged. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't need that. Um, but yeah, so he handles like the big picture stuff, but like the daily invoicing and stuff, it's pretty automatic because I use FreshBooks. But yeah, I, it's one of those things that's like, uh, not a big fan of that. Um, so going back to delegation, so how do we know when we're ready? Like what, like I know you said kind of how you knew you were ready, but as a whole, like what do you think is like usually the indication like, okay, I'm, I need to do this. Like it's time. Yeah. So there, there are several ways to know. So the first way is like me, you are drowning and you cannot keep your head above water and you can't even answer the phone when your mom calls, <laughs> then you know you need some help. And When I say help or delegation, it doesn't mean hiring an employee. It doesn't, it doesn't even have to be hiring someone. You could ask your mom when she calls you on the phone, like, Hey mom, can you do something? You know, can you help me with this? You can ask a friend to help you out. You can trade, you can find a way to automate it. So you're not just hiring someone, a a contractor or an employee or anything like that. So you're drowning. Um, if you have extra money coming in, so you have that kind of financial margin so that you could afford to have some help is a great time, um, to, to look for help. Um, another thing is if you have, um, a big outlandish goal and you don't know how to get from A to B. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good time to ask for help. Um, and that, I mean, that's not just delegation, but like ask a friend who's done something similar, ask, um, a mentor or a leader for help on how to get there. Because that's, I mean, if you keep just kind of treading water, you're never going to get there. So you need to ask for help. You could delegate some of those parts that you don't know how to do, or you're not an expert at. So those are really three of the, the main thing reasons why or ways you would know that you're ready to delegate. Yeah, I completely agree with those. And a lot of people who are solopreneurs, especially, they have a really hard time kind of knowing what point to do that because they're so used to doing it all themselves, but they get so overwhelmed and they're like, okay, like I'm ready. But since our business is their baby, (laughs) it's harder because they're like, this is my baby. And I don't feel like anyone's going to treat it the same way that I do, which is, you know, it's, true in a sense because you did build that thing but you know there are going to be people out there who are willing to help you and who will treat your business pretty good not not of course the same level that you would treat it but you know good enough that you feel comfortable with it right it's kind of like having a babysitter so a babysitter is not going to keep uh like do all of the things that you would do 
at like, if your baby is crying, you know, all the special things that you would do. Mm -hmm. And a babysitter might not know all those things. A babysitter might just give the baby a passy, (laughs) but the babysitter still cares about your baby or else they wouldn't be there. And so I think it's kind of like that, that they're, you're going to find people, they do care, but nobody's ever going to love your baby the way that you love your baby. If you like, (laughs) like don't even don't even nobody's gonna love my baby like I love my baby (laughs) exactly like there's there's just no way but yeah that's a really good example because you know it is scary scary to give over that control sometimes because you know you built this thing you don't want it to you know you don't want to hire someone and then have it not work out because it's you know it's just you feel like you might have wasted your time or something but it's just one hump that us as people who are solo in our business and kind of need to get over to scale to the next level it's true. If if you don't ask for help and, and get the help that you need, you're never going to be able to grow. You're going to hit some sort of plateau and not be able to go beyond that. Um, and it is scary to ask for help, to put trust in someone else, and it doesn't always work out. Um, there have been so many times on my team, not so many times, there have been a couple of times on our team where it's just not the right fit. They, they don't care about it like I would like them to care about it. The quality of work is not the best, you know, something like that. So it doesn't always work out. Um, mm-hmm. But that's um, when it's a good time to just fire fast and try again. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and that's another thing that is difficult for me when I hire people. I feel bad for firing people. Even if it's like not a good fit, I, I kind of like tiptoe on it because I don't want someone to like, you know, I don't hurt anyone's feelings, but that's not really what it's about. But still, it's still something that is difficult to do for me because I just feel bad, even though I know I shouldn't. Yeah, it's it's definitely difficult. But um, anytime I have to have to do that, I don't even like to say fire. <laughs> anytime I have to do that, um, you have to think about the health of your business and the health of your clients' businesses. Because if someone is not caring about your business, you know, they're not caring about your clients' businesses mm-hmm. and not giving them the best service and your clients are paying for the best service. So you have to have that perspective, but it's still, it's still hard. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. Especially like if it's someone who you've been friends with or something, that's Oof. why I try not to hire friends anymore. Cause I definitely had some experiences where I hired friends and they're still great friends, but they just didn't do things the way that I wanted them to. And like, it's just difficult because, you know, it's even harder to fire your friends essentially because you're like, I don't want to like lose the friendship, but if they're not doing what they should be doing and it's costing you money and clients, even like the clients are dropping like flies, then, you know, you just got to do something about it. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So what systems do you think that someone needs in place before being able to delegate? Just like the basic things. I feel like you need something. You can't just like hire someone and be like, I don't know what I want, um, but do it. <laughs> yeah. So um, you can go through like your day to day, what you do every day or every week or whatever it is, and find those repeatable things that you're doing over and over again. Um, and those things they, they're going to have systems and processes. You just need to write it down and get it in place. Mm-hmm. And so those are really the first things that I would say, get ready to delegate those things that you do over and over again, because they do have a process. So um, I'll walk you through real quick, just like how to set up that process to get ready to delegate. So 
you um, figure out what it is. So if it's, um, if it's scheduling social media posts, you, um, the next time you do it, um, you are going to like, as you're going through the task, write down exactly what you do step by step as if you're like in fourth grade writing a how to essay or speech. (laughs) Um, so write it down step by step. Um, and then you get bonus points if you video yourself walking through it. So you can do a screen flow with something like Screencastify or useloom.com, um, any of those. Um, you just record your screen as you're doing it and talk through it as if the person is sitting right next to you and you're talking them through it. And then, um, and then get it into the place where you're going to delegate. So you, you need to have one place where things are delegated. Um, for that, I recommend Asana. Some people like Trello better. Um, I mean, you can delegate anywhere. You could delegate in a Google Doc, but it needs <laughs> to be consistent where um, you're going to delegate and how you're going to delegate. So um, the, first, the first things you should give away are those repeatable kind of mindless things that you can do when you're just like watching Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things that don't really take your heart and soul and like deep work and focus to, um, to do. Those are the things that you can get off your plate so that you have that free time so that you can focus more <laughs> on those things that take your heart and soul. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great idea. And I've definitely heard people suggest like recording a video. And I think that's really helpful because, um, I work for ConvertKit also as like a support specialist and I help people, you know, that come in and are, are like, Hey, I need help with this. And I usually record a video with Loom because it's so much easier than writing down step by step by step. Oh, yeah. So I'll just record a quick video that takes less than a minute and say, all right, here's your account go here, go here, go here. And then you're done, you know, and people like love that. And I think it adds that element of, oh my God, I'm actually talking to a human. (laughs) And also the fact that it's just like easier because a lot of people are visual learners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then you could say like, click that button. You're like, where is that (laughs) button? Like, do I need to scroll down? But yeah, if it's a video, you can see it happen in front of your eyes. And then um, another good thing about having it recorded Um, as a video or even just written down in like a checklist is that you can refer back to that over and over again. Um, So if, uh, if you notice that the person that you've delegated to isn't doing like step five, you can say, Hey, could you check this out? Cause you're not doing step five. Here it is in the video. Make sure you complete that. Or God forbid you lose your, your person, the next person that you hire, you already have it in place. So you can say, this is exactly how we do it. Watch this video. Here's this checklist. These, you know, this is what I require for this task is that you do steps one through 10, just like I do it. Yeah, no, that's a, that's such a good idea. Um, I actually use both Asana and Trello because I'm crazy, but (laughs) I use like (laughs) Trello for myself and then Asana for any team facing things or like client facing things. So Trello is only me. Um, but that's where I write down all of my processes so that, you know, when I do hire on someone, I have that available and it's just hanging out in Trello. I'll just copy and paste it into, you know, a different document or an email or something or send them over the video that's hanging out in Trello. So it's like, you know, I keep all my processes on this one board so that if someone's like, okay, you know, how do I do this? Or I'm teaching someone to do some steps that I need them to do. Then I have that hanging out there already for me and I don't have to go search for my email or anything like that. Yeah. So it's really yeah, nice to have. Smart. Um, so 
In terms of you managing your team, I know you said you use Asana. So how do you like go about doing that? Because, you know, I feel like it's, it can be kind of difficult to manage a full team. And how do you just do that within Asana? Yeah, that's kind of a big question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we have all of our clients are in Asana. We, um, we try to keep them there instead of in our inboxes. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started growing the team, we had about three team members and we were doing everything in our inboxes. But this was before um, clients knew that I had a team. So I would get all the emails into my inbox and then I would forward them out to the team and say, Hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do this? And then at the end of the day, I would be like, what did I even send out today? Like, what <laughs> did I give them a due date? Um, are they working on it? I have no idea. Um, and then, or they would have a question. So they would email it back to me. And then I'd email it to the client. It was a mess. So <laughs> we, um, transitioned to Asana and it revolutionized the way that we work. Um, so if you're unfamiliar with what Asana is, it's basically a robust to-do list. Um, and within each um, list item, you can have like a description, comments, even like subtasks to the list. Um, you can assign it out, give it a due date, tag it, like a, a million different things. You can upload files so that everything is contained within one thread instead of it being in multiple people's inboxes you're able to just go to one place and find it. So um, the way that um, the way that the team works in there is that they're, they're pretty much given autonomy. Like, you know, your role, you know how to do this best. And then um, either the client will assign a task to them or mm-hmm. uh, sometimes clients um, will have like a meeting with their operations manager or something like that. And she'll assign out tasks. Um, yeah. So they, they work, fairly autonomously. Okay. Um, but then we also have an operations manager that gets, she gets pretty much every single notification that comes through Asana. So I don't know how she's still sane, but um, <laughs> she, like she has her, her finger on the pulse uh, of what is uh, happening in Asana. So um, there, I mean, I, now I'm hardly seeing any notifications. I hardly see anything that's happening. Um, but I know that she kind of has, um, an eye on everything that's going on in there. Okay. That makes sense. So basically she's the one like handling all the day-to-day things and making sure everyone gets what they need to get done. And so you don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. So she'll do like a, a weekly check-in. She'll just click on each team member's name and it loads a list of all their tasks and she'll see if there's anything that's read. She'll say, Hey, what's going on here? And then that's a good time for a team member to say, Oh, I got stuck on this part or I'm just behind that sort of thing. Um, or we're waiting to hear back from a client, that, that sort of thing. So yeah, she's she's always keeping her eye on that. Oh, that's really smart. And it's nice because you don't have to be with the weekly check-ins. You don't have to be looking at it every single day and wondering like where people are at because you know you have that yeah. discussion with them. I feel like that element is really important, especially with a virtual team because you're not getting that FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's really great information, kind of like good for people who are looking to delegate and, or people who are like, I want to turn my business into more of an agency style. So yeah, thank you for all of that. Now let's dive into the three questions that I ask everyone that comes up to the show. So for you personally, what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur and what is your favorite part about it? So, um, 
I don't know about like being an entrepreneur, but my favorite thing is um, working with the women that I get to work with. So working with um, the women on my team, they're amazing women. They are so strong, so smart, so kind, so giving, so caring. They're just amazing. Someone, one of our team members said um, in our Slack channel the other day, like whenever I talk about y'all, I don't say my coworkers, I say my friends. Hmm. And yeah, it's just the, the sweetest place to be. I love it so much. And not only am I always surrounded by these powerful, amazing women, um, we work for the most powerful, amazing women, and we get to be involved in the powerful work that they're doing for their clients, for their audience. Um, so it it's just so inspiring every day to see the teamwork, to see the, I mean, the work that comes out of um, what we do and then the way that our clients are changing the world. <laughs> they're um, amazing, amazing women. So um, that that's like the best part. That's why I love to be, um, an entrepreneur to have, I mean, the freedom to create this, the flexibility, um, and the power really is what it is that like, I have the power to create something out of nothing. And I mean, this is really something now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's crazy what you've done and you, you've done a really good job at it. And, you know, it's awesome to see your growth and all that. Um, but yeah, I love having female entrepreneurs as clients too. I think it's so wonderful to see what we are capable of as women. Like it's just amazing. And you know, the people that I hire on my team as well, it's just so great to see everyone being successful and, you know, not having, because a lot of people think about competition because, you know, we're women, we're competing, but that's not how I see it. And it's great to be supporting other women who are trying to chase their own dreams. So, yes. Okay. So what is your favorite tool that you use within your business? So we already talked about it a lot. It's Asana, hands down, <laughs> number one. I will forever sing their praises. Um, if you have Asana questions, email me. I love Asana. I could talk about it all day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. It's definitely really <laughs> important, especially with a big team like yours. You need something like that to make sure that everything is getting done and, you know, everything's being communicated properly. If you were just relying on email, I think you would be insane. <laughs> Your yeah, whole team would even, be insane. Yeah. Even <laughs> if I didn't have a big team, I would be in Asana. Um, because when you do get your systems and processes in place, it's so important to make sure that you yourself are going through all of those steps and not forgetting anything. So yeah. even if you don't have a team, even if you're not delegating to someone, it's, I think it's so important to get, um, to get something like that. And Asana is free. I don't think we mentioned that it's free. It is. <laughs> um, so that makes me love them like so much more because I'm cheap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be kind of, it would be another expense. I mean, I would willingly pay for it, but it would. Yeah. Get well, I mean, we are paying for it now because our team has grown so yeah. much, but yeah. I still, but you, I still love them. And it's probably free for the majority of you. <laughs> 15 team members, I think, right? Like, like 21 now. Okay. But you get 15 free. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I thought you were asking how many. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's up to 15. And then the does that bummer, clients, do you know? Or is it just? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it includes clients. So your team is just like who is on the actual 
like the team part is what okay. it's called a team. So who, who's in those little bubbles? That's yeah. what it counts. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I was like, I haven't exceeded that, but whenever like I, I finish like a client project, cause I do have one off stuff, I'll delete it. So I'll delete the workspace, like remove myself from the workspace so that like it doesn't count anymore, but I just mm-hmm. haven't reached that limit yet. So I was like, hmm, maybe because I delete people. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Asana is great. So is Trello. If you're solo Trello, I think that one works better if you're solo. Asana is still good too, but I think like if you're going to do a business that with a team, Asana, solo, Trello, or Asana, you know, but yeah, Trello. And, and I mean, really just find what works for you. You're, you're unique. Your business is unique. So find whatever works for you. If that's a pen and paper, you know, go for it, girl. Yeah. I mean, if you're a solo business owner, you can do it however you want because yeah. no one else has to worry about, um, you know, everything. If teams, it's a lot harder and you need to right. organize, but yeah. And then lastly, who is your go-to business resource? Someone that just inspires you and you you just look at them and you're like, wow, they're doing so well. You know, it's just someone who you just, you're inspired by essentially as a business owner. Okay. Can I say three? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So, um, first Nevika Vasquez. Okay. She is brilliant. Um, she sends out a weekly email and the way that she can take normal everyday situations and put like a business mind twist on it is amazing. She thinks about things in such unique ways and she is a wealth of knowledge. Um, she is a business strategist, so yeah, she's incredible. Um, next is Tara Gentili. She okay. is revolutionizing um, the way that we do small business, and she's so smart. She knows everything, um, and she also just has such a unique perspective on the power that we have as entrepreneurs and the future of um, what we're creating by creating what we are. So, um, yeah, she's amazing. And then of course the being boss women, Kathleen and Emily. (laughs) Yeah. They, I just love their attitudes. Um, the way that they really just kind of, um, do it their own way. Um, and they challenge us to do the same and they give away so much information for free. Um, and their book just came out, um, and I'm going to pick it up today. Um, so, uh, so yeah, those three, and they're all just amazing women. Those are some great choices and no one's ever said any of those people on the show before. So that's all good. Right. I, I like getting the new options. Cause you know, sometimes you'll get the same people. They'll say like Jenna Kutcher, people like mm-hmm. that. And it's like, I, I like her too a lot, but it's always nice to hear people's like that aren't the most well-known. Yeah. Well, we get so stuck in our, in our little bubble (laughs) that it's so interesting to see like, oh, there are like other giant names out there that I've never even heard of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd heard of Nevika and the being boss women, but I'd never heard of Tara before. So I'll have to go check her out. But yeah, it's just crazy how we, you know, we can name the same five people, but there's such a bigger world out there because, you know, the entrepreneurship space does not consist of these same five women, you know, so it's crazy that a lot of people go for the same people, but yeah, it's nice to have some different options to check out. Um, yeah. and then lastly, let us know where we can find you. So your website, your social media channels, you know, where do you hang out? That kind of thing. 
Yeah, so you can find us at shecancoterie.com, C-O-T-E-R-I-E, or if you're feeling lazy, just shecanco.com. <laughs> Um, and then we're also on Instagram. That's the main place where you can find me and our team. We all kind of hang out in our <laughs> on our Instagram account. Um, and it's just at SheCanCoterie. Yeah, and I'll link everything in the show notes just because, you know, your name's a little more um, unusual to spell. <laughs> so <laughs> kind of, I'll link everything for everyone to go check it out. But yeah, thank you so much for being on the show, Mandy. I learned a lot and I think that everyone has a lot to learn from you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvysocialhour.com slash episode 39. Make sure to join the Savvy Social Media Babes community Facebook group for daily prompts, updates on the podcast, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on the web at www.savvysocialhour.com. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Savvy Social Hour and like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Savvy Social Hour. New episodes will be released every single Tuesday and Thursday. See you next time.